Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. Fortunately, Steve Krupa could not join us for this introduction, but uh, it's a great conversation involving a very interesting company called Patient Tory, which is a global currency and population health management service. And it, it operates in, in cryptocurrency. And of course, we've heard about Bitcoin and all that. This is applying uh, that uh, those principles to healthcare. And uh, Steve's talked to uh, Krista McFarlane, who is the CEO and founder of the company Patient Tory. And uh, talked a bit about how uh, how the crypto world will fit into healthcare. Uh, Patient Tory did raise some money in an interesting way. Steve will will get into that, and uh, also we'll find out a bit more about uh, what Patient Tory's plans are. So, before I let you go, I wanted to remind you that the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit is happening on November thirtieth in Boston. Go to healthag.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com to register. We would love to see you there. Now let's hear from Krissa McFarland of Patientory. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Krissa McFarland, the CEO of Patientory and the founder, right? And the co-founder. Welcome to the podcast, Krissa. Thank you for having me, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good to have you here. Um, so I think... Uh, I think we should jump right in and talk about blockchain. What do you think? You want to do that as a first, first, first topic? Sure. I, uh, I know it's the founding principle behind your company. You know, we, everybody knows a little bit about Bitcoin um, and about all the, uh, all the secrecy under which sort of the blockchain technology was developed. Um, but I don't know that there's that many people, unless they're into like Bitcoin and, and subscribe to the magazines or go to the centers or trade it, necessarily understand mm-hmm. what blockchain is and i always think of it as some sort of a, a distributed ledger system but after that i get a little bit confused so maybe you can from you can take us through where blockchain starts uh, from your perspective definitely well i mean you have all the right you know pieces in understanding the, the technology it is the fundamental underlying technology that powers bitcoin the first digital currency um, that was released on the market 2008, late 2008, early 2009. Um, Essentially, the blockchain is a distributed ledger um, database that allows for, you know, transactions to occur. Um, It's special because it it solves the, you know, the the issue of uh, double spend. So you being able to transact from point A to point B without having that transaction, you know, basically being given or sent to another designated entity. Um, and while it seems really complicated, it's, it's really just a distributed ledger. Um, most of the use cases, start out in finance, most of the use cases are, are, are you know, around the transmission of, of currency, digital money. Um, and in our case, we've taken this framework and applied it to um, personal health information, which in a sense is an asset um, to people. And the current now, you know, personal health information is being sold, you know, 
for up to like $300 per record. Um, so we see, you know, by utilizing a blockchain distributed ledger um, and cryptographic functions, we're able to, you know, really have a more secure way of storing and transmitting data. And, 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 and of course, the key is that the, the data is technically somebody's property at some level, right? Yeah. So you'll be sharing somebody else's property. And to me, it's always been, I, I think it, it's pretty clear that it's, if it's my health information, it's my property. Is that true? Yes, that's right. And, you know, you know, people haven't thought about this in the, you know, up until now where we see, you know, the monetization of people's health information. And not only that, but you have, the credit card information, just sensitive information overall is an asset that has a certain value tied to it. What's interesting, though, is, is that when it comes to, to my PHI or my EPHI, depending on which, which, what, what uh, acronym you want to use, nobody seems to remember that it's mine, right? So if you ask somebody for it, they kind of don't want to give it to you. And that's not yeah. the way it's supposed to work, yeah. right? I'm supposed to be able to have my PHI and anytime I want it and control who gets to see it. But it's really the other way around. Doesn't the doctor kind of control who gets it to is. see it? It is. So you go in, right, currently you go into a hospital um, and you supply them with, the, with that information. You go in and see a doctor, they run tests, and you, some people never actually see those, those tests. It's, it's stored away in the hospital's electronic medical record system. Um, that you have no control over. And if you move to a different country, you basically have to start a new, new record. And that's, you know, one of the biggest issues we see, you know, in our current health industry today, is how can we have patients, include patients um, in the health ecosystem and be empowered to take a more active role in not only, you know, being informed about their information, but being able to go anywhere to any hospital and share that information easily. So when you think about what, you, so if I, if I remember, you know, every time I go to the doctor, I have to sign a bunch of stuff that starts with HIPAA on the top, right? Yeah. And it's, and I don't know, I don't think I read it because I just assume, you know, it's a legal document and I don't have any choice anyway. I need to get health services. Like it's not a good place to negotiate a contract, right? But I think what I'm saying in those documents is essentially that I'm giving them permission to see my PHI and to keep it, right? Am I right about that? Exactly. And yep, that's part of it. And they're acknowledging in those documents that I am the owner of the PHI and I could take it away from them if I want to, and I could authorize someone else to be able to see it. But it's mine, even though exactly. they have it. So when I go They to, control it. Right. So when I go, even if I have interoperability between electronic health records, like if I go to a doctor that's on all scripts and then I go to another doctor that's on Epic and maybe they've got interoperability, once I sign my HIPAA form, it says you can go and look for my PHI from sources and use it to evaluate, you know, to understand my health history and to evaluate me and add to it and store it yourself, but it's still mine. And yeah, that's the patient consent. Right. And I mean, essentially, that is the essence. And then there, and then whoever is storing it, whether it be a hospital or a health insurance plan, outside of my sort of control, you know, they have regulatory, they have a regulatory framework by which they secure it. 
um, so that theoretically it can't be stolen, right? Am I getting all this right? I, exactly. I, and so when you think that's about it, exactly. that's the basic process. So that data has, has value to me from a standpoint of I'd probably want doctors to, to be able to hack access to it to, to, um, to diagnose what might be wrong with me or give me a health treatment plan and have an understanding of my medical history. But beyond it having you know, value to me, it has value to the entire sort of research and physician community because if they can aggregate a bunch of information about other people, um, they can probably be able to study disease at, you know, through, through data analytics, et cetera. And, and so the value of PHI, even though it's my personal thing, I let other people use it, is not just to me. The question would be, do I want to share it with other people? And so are you in, you're enabling all of the things that I just described through your system, doctors sharing the information, me being able to own it, and then me being able to let people use it maybe on a de-identified way to do things other than take care of me. Is that, is that true? Exactly, exactly. So how does the blockchain aid in that process? Just so that just so I can understand. That ledger, right? So, you know, we're, it's, the functionality of it, it's able to transmit that data um, from point A to point B using crypt- cryptographic hashes and functions. Um, but in our sense, for patient worry, we've created, um, you know, a solution that's able to sit on top of these EMRs, electronic medical records, um, to achieve, uh, you know, interoperability, but also have that information available um, to the patient. So a patient can go to a hospital that's on that and be able to, you know, download their information Right. Just by corresponding with their with their private and public keys and then go to another hospital that's on Cerner um, and be able to get that information and also store it in their profile. And does it require does it require me or does it require you to enable those transactions? In other words, do I sign a consent over to you that says essentially I I have my my PHI and I'm willing to share it in a in a as long as it's hashed, um, or how does, how does, yeah. how does so all that stuff work? that's part of our onboarding. Yeah, so it's an onboarding on, you know, when you sign up. It's, in, it's an app for patients. Okay. Um, so you go through that consent. As a company, we don't physically store information. Every All of the transactions, you know, happen within the participating hospital's uh, control servers. And then... Would I be able to go to this ledger down the road and be able to say, I want to see who's been accessing my PHI? Is that, is that the way it works? Yes, you can. So essentially you're, you give access to those people um, that you want to actually see it. And then when they do, in fact, see it, is that, what's, is that what the ledger is, is tracking? Who's actually using it, how they're using it, whether it's been de-identified, whether it's a doctor, an academic institution, a health plan, et cetera? Yeah. Very cool. That's all recorded on the ledger. So how did you guys start the company? Tell me the story. Well, tell me your personal story. When, when, when did you decide you wanted to be a healthcare entrepreneur? Yeah. So I grew up in New York City. Um, you know, I was always in the sciences and technology, you know, going to talk science and science focus. High school um, did a ton of research 
you know, back in the day, worked with Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Um, always wanted to be in medicine. Um, after going to university, went to Cornell, I decided that I wanted to take a different turn um, medicine. was really interested um, in technology of healthcare. So I, you know, graduated, you know, worked for health IT companies, consulted for CEOs in the South, um, found my way working for a digital healthcare startup um, that was telemedicine focused. And I ran their insurance department. And what I saw was, you know, the need for more for patients to actually access. So that was our biggest pain point was in, in order for us to actually, you know, readily service the patients that we saw and, you know, solve their insurance inquiries, we needed their information. And we didn't have access to that. They, some of the patients could even get access to it um, within a 90-day window. Um, so that's how patient for, you know, was first. And it was great timing because, as I mentioned, blockchain is an emerging technology, you know, came out on the market early 2009. Um, it was just put in the, the, the two merging the two pieces together and, and coming up with patientory. When you were so trying we to access... So the first token. Right, right. When you were trying to access that patient information, though, what was, what was stopping you from getting it? Was it the fact that you didn't have, you know, um, ac- you know access rights to it? Or was it because the, the EMRs didn't want to share it? What was, what was, presenting, what was presenting the problem of getting access? Yeah, so if you call, especially from the payer side, the insurance side, you know, while the patient had signed a consent with us saying that we were able to handle their medical, you know, concerns and, and, and you know, inquiries, we would call up the insurance, we'd call up the EMRs, and it was just a, a tedious process to actually get that information. And if we did get it, it was a fact, you know, healthcare school faxes. Um, or we had to wait in the mail for that to, to come. And that was because they just didn't want to, they, they were concerned that they would be violating HIPAA by giving you the information? Exactly. Or we would have to get the patient on the line, on the actual phone, and they would, you know, be at work and have to sit on like an hour-long phone call. In order to approve so it wasn't the fact. scalable, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a scalable um, process. I did want to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit as I set up at the top of the podcast. And I've said previously, this uh, this event does sell out. So please do go to healthogy.com to uh, register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. We've uh, got a great program lined up. We'll be uh, begin posting the agenda on healthogy.com soon. But uh, if you've been there before, it's going to be as great as it's been in the past, probably better. So just uh, register now. Avoid the rush. Go to healthogy.com. It's happening on November 30th in Boston. Now back to this conversation. So you ran into the guys at Startup Health, and it sounds like you were part of an accelerator when you decided to explore this idea. Um, how did you go about starting the company and, and pulling your team together? Because you know, there's not a lot of Bitcoin experts out there, uh, blockchain yeah. experts, I should say. So. There aren't. Yeah, and we're still so early to actually see any real experts um, in the industry. Um, but it was really all like any I tell any startup founder or anyone looking to 
get into the business of entrepreneurship, it really does boil down to networking. So I was, you know, I was able to be a part of great organizations such as Startup Health and the Accelerator um, out in Boulder, which made introductions Mm -hmm. to people in the industry. So I worked with physicians. Um, Startup Health has a great, you know, team of partners um, that they introduced to their startup companies to get insights. And I was able to, you know, you know, network that way and really find the key advisors that I needed on board to help drive drive our mission and purpose forward. And so you pulled you pulled the company together, and I saw you just raised what seven point two million dollars by selling something called a PTOY, right? What does that stand for, and what does it do? Like, what? Why would I buy one of those? Yeah. What 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 is the advantage of owning one of those? So it. Yeah, so it's the P-Toy token, it's the patient Tory token, and that's essentially our, our cryptocurrency that fuels our blockchain platform. So by purchasing P-Toy token, it gives the user storage space on our blockchain network to store their private health information. So is it, is it me, the patient, that would buy the, the P-Toy? Is that, is that the idea? Yeah, it's anyone on onboard and onboard network. So as a company, we sell it directly to hospital organizations okay. and health IT companies um, that actually want to secure their, their patient health information. And then, of course, it's an app for patients. It's essentially a freemium model where they're able to, you know, sign up and start to store information, but as they reach a certain limit, they would need to purchase P-Toy tokens um, to gain more network storage. Access. So I think you, I think I, I just need to understand a little bit more of the details. So I understand. I don't even really know if I understand how Bitcoin works, but I kind of do. In in that, um, you're obviously generating more. You've got people mining for bitcoins, um, and you're you're generating more currency. And the whole idea is, I'm a, I can transact act with you if I want to purchase something from you. I can use Bitcoin, and you can as a, as a, as a tool to exchange goods and services. We can do it online, and our identities between the two of us will never be known, right? And so, exactly. how does that work with health data? Like, I understand. I understand that. Well, you know, the funny the funny thing is, is we both have to admit the initial uses of Bitcoin were somewhat nefarious, right? If we if we understood the history, but it seems to be coming more and more legitimate. Mm-hmm. But the real benefit of it. In the beginning, was anonymous transactions. Like I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am, but we were able exactly. to do something. I got some Bitcoin, and you shipped me goods and services, whatever those happen, goods, or you provided services to me. You painted my house, and I sent you some Bitcoins. So, what are we doing with health data? How is that? How is that working with health? The health data, exactly. Um, in terms of the currency, the both. So, the is the is the currency the storage? Is the is the what's the analogy between the the pit, the Bitcoin currency and a blockchain tran- transaction? What is what is the currency anal- the, the, the the analogous piece of your transaction that is is the currency? Is it the PTOY token? What what is what or is it the storage amount? What is it? Yes. So our currency is. Yeah, our currency is P-Toy. 
um, essentially. And it's we are because it's healthcare, we're subject to HIPAA regulations and, and you know more 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 policy standards. We have essentially a private blockchain, permission chained, whereas Bitcoin right. is all public, so you can essentially transact with anyone anywhere in the world, whereas you know, we're creating a, a, an ecosystem for healthcare-specific use cases in hospitals. So they're essentially the node holders, and um, you would need those currencies, tokens, to actually be able to store information on. on and then, when you go to then share the the information, is it just basically a simple request? You know, is it anonymous? Do we know who's doing? Okay. Yes. So it it is a request. Um, and it's tied, it's anonymous because of HIPAA, but it's, it's anonymous, anonymous in the sense that, you know, the keys, the, the unique identifier is tied to, right. to a patient. Okay. A and, and so as the patient, what's my role in all of this? What do I have to do? As a patient, yeah. So when you set up your profile, you're essentially assigned a unique identifier, um, but it's it's all automatic. So you know, if you're requesting information from a physician, or you're giving your information for a physician, you would need to send them your public unique identifier. So in a sense, you've been um, identified, and you're able to um, approve of that request on both ends. Okay. So where where how did you do your 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 crowd sale of your of your tokens and? Can you tell me who's, I mean, you don't have to tell me specifically, but primarily you're saying these were purchased by provider organizations and, and health insurance companies? Yeah, how did the sale work? Yeah, and, you know, patients and, and overall crypto, um, you know, advocates. So we had over 1,700 purchasers of our token. Um, we issued 70 million P-Toy tokens, and in three days, um, they they were sold. And do you out. think these people are speculators? What are they doing? Most are. I mean, in order to you know buy something that's you know still in development, to some degree they are speculators, but they also are you know they they grasp the concept and and they know um, what to expect. And 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 what? How are they expecting the tokens that they bought to have value down the road? So it is tied to any other, you know, token on the market. Um, essentially, they see the market need where people are going to be storing their information. Um, so there is definitely a market for for that for that currency for that token um, down the, later down the road, especially as we see more people onboarding onto the platform. So if you raised, what did you say? You said you sold seventeen thousand tokens, and you raised. Um... Set you oh, seventy thousand, seventy million tokens, and and how much money did you raise? I see seven point okay. two million. But oh, but you said you only had seventeen thousand people buy. That's what is that's what you told me, right? Yes, we had seventeen thousand over. So that means each person spent around four hundred dollars or so, I guess, and they bought a lot of tokens. It sounds like. Yeah. And do you? Is there a finite number of tokens? Yes, so we issued a hundred okay. million. So you, got, you you held on to thirty million and you sold seventy million. 
the company. Yeah, you. I'm calling you yeah. the company. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it is your company. No, oh, no, that's why I say yeah, I understood that. I was like, yeah, the company. <laughs> Not me And personally. so I need the, co- the token <laughs> to have storage, so... But as an individual patient, I don't need the token to have storage. It's just as an organization, I need it. I'm just a little bit. Uh, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of that. I don't need. If I want to enable your system, I don't need to have it's a token. Both. So do it. You would, yes. Eventually, you would. So, in a sense, like I describe our business model as a B to B to C because we are essentially primarily selling to businesses, hospital organizations, um, to store their patients' data. On the, on the network, and then patients, you know, individuals, they're creating their profiles, and eventually they're going to be storing large amounts of private health information, so then they would need access to tokens, um, which give them a certain amount of a lot of, a lot of space. And is it network. your expectation that somebody would give me the token for free, or would I have to pay for it? You would have to pay, pay for it. So tokens right now are currently bought on the market. Um, they're listed at multiple cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, the one in the U.S. being Bitrix, so they're a, a, a really prominent cryptocurrency exchange um, where you can buy you know, also Bitcoin and Ethereum, the two largest cryptocurrencies on the market. And how much does a P-Toy go for today? Today, well, we're, we've fluctuated, so we're in the range of anywhere from like 15 um, to a little over 20 cents. So it sounds like the people that bought them bought them at a pretty good price, huh? The It Did sounds I, like the price went up. Is, is, am I right in understanding that the price went up since you so, sold them? Quite, actually, quite a bit, right? Yes. You have to call me when you do this again, yes. okay? <laughs> this looks pretty good. <laughs> I will. <laughs> So we already see people who hold it. They've they've definitely you know. It looks like you sold to... them for about ten cents. So it sounds like the double they doubled in price. All right. Okay, so you yeah. envision a world then where everybody has a, a P toy or a collection of P toys that enable them to have storage space on your network for their electronic health information and would enable third parties to have access to that information with their permission. Is that, is that, is that at the end of the day, the whole thing? And your, your system is designed to control that access anonymously so they won't know it's my information and I won't know who's using it. But it allows that information to get out there. And then I guess if I wanted exactly. specifically to have a doctor get the information in an identified way, I could enable that transaction as well. Pretty cool. Exactly. So what... What do you think? Are there there competing solutions to this problem today that you see out there? Um, Well, or other ways to solve this problem without using blockchain. Yeah. Or just other ways. I mean, we we definitely see the health information exchanges. You know, they've been trying to solve this problem for a number of years right now. Um, But in a sense, they're they're really limited to state and federal levels. Um, but most of them can't cross, you know, countries as well. So we do see health information exchanges as a model, you know, okay. to build upon. So I know you've got a white paper on your website. I know you've got all, you know, we're coming, coming down to the end of our time, but I wanted to just sort of give you a chance to talk about where people can find out about your company 
The funny thing is, is I downloaded your white paper on blockchains, and then I got a bunch of emails come to my uh, to my email about blockchain. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but I've suddenly been inundated with healthcare blockchain information in the oh, last wow. two days as I prepared to talk to you. Um, but um, <laughs> Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, website, where can people find out about you and your company, and how much? How, where can they find out and read about more details on how blockchain and healthcare are important? Yeah, so our website is www.patientory.com. Um, a really cool thing about blockchain startups is we build a community on mm-hmm. Slack and Telegram, which is also on our website. We're now over, you know, 2,000 members um, in just a couple of weeks. So that's a, definitely a great resource to come and ask questions and learn more about our platform and get involved in our community. Um, and we're also, you know, avid tweeters so twitter.com slash patientory facebook and LinkedIn. Well, very good chrisa chrisa mcfarland co-founder and ceo of patientory thank you for joining me today really uh, really very thought-provoking we'll have to see what kind of response people have but uh, it sounds like the world is going to know a lot more about blockchain pretty soon right yeah very great good. to have you thank, thank you thank you steve and that is a wrap Chris McFarlane of Patientory thank you for joining us for sharing a very unique story on the Breaking Health Podcast Steve Krupa nice job with the uh, due diligence and research on this one I know it's a a bit off of our regular topic but uh, certainly will be a fascinating story to watch I hope you all enjoyed that Breaking Health Podcast listeners please uh, do us the favor of give us a ranking on iTunes if you would tell your friends about the Breaking Health Podcast if they enjoy podcasts and healthcare innovation Finally, feel free to shoot me an email. I am Tom at healthyg.com. That is the word health, followed by letters egy.com. I'm also on Twitter at medtechtom. Would love to hear from you. Finally, once again, don't forget to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It's happening on November 30th in Boston. We've sold out the last couple of years. Likely we'll do so again, so sign up sooner rather than later, I beg you. One last thing, we are going to take Memorial Day, excuse me, Labor Day weekend off, uh, so we won't be putting out a podcast next week, but uh, Steve will be returning in September with more great tales of innovation, so uh, so keep an eye out on your podcast page. That's it, folks. Have a great Labor Day weekend.